Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from there into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. This is a time of year when there are some rather strange sights to be seen. You know, after Thanksgiving, near the end of November, all the way through December, up to about the new year, there are things happening, activities that go on, music, lights, that are sort of different than the rest of the year, at least where we live. Now, where I lived before I moved to Williamsburg, there was in my neighborhood such a thing that was really strange. And I thought, you know, if I had been an alien from another planet, flying from some far reach of the galaxy and approaching Earth, and maybe coming down in my unidentified flying object close to America, and then maybe Virginia, and then Portsmouth, where we lived before coming here, and this neighborhood where I lived, I would see things that would be, well, confusing. I'd wonder, what in the world is this species up to? Because I had a neighbor in my neighborhood who had more than 50 large inflatable Christmas ornaments. <laughs> That's just a few of them. He had everything. He had mostly Santas. There were Santas going down chimneys, Santas riding on sleighs, Santa's riding on motorcycles. That's realistic. There was even a Santa in an outhouse. There was Darth Vader as well. Darth Vader holding, though, a Christmas stocking instead of a lightsaber. There was Snoopy, of course, decorating his doghouse with lights. There were penguins dancing around their igloos. There were plenty of snowmen. There was an oversized Grinch. There were a herd of reindeer and tribes of elves. And there was also a, a band made up of animals playing instruments and sounding like Christmas carols. But right in the middle of all of that was a smaller, uninflated manger scene. In the midst of all this confusion, 
there was something that was trying to tell the meaning of Christmas. It can get confusing, like this figurine that you can actually purchase that is advertised with this line. For those who want to bring together both sides of Christmas, here's Santa taking time out from his busy delivery schedule of toys to spend some time with the baby Jesus. I'm not making this up. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. As strange as all of this sounds, it pales in comparison to the Christmas story we read in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. There are things happening in this story that should amaze us. So as we look at it this morning, I want us to be able to see three things. There's an unthinkable pairing, there's an unexpected pronouncement, and there is unlikely praise. We'll start with this unthinkable pairing. The passage begins with a bunch of shepherds out in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, doing what shepherds do. But an angel of the Lord appears to them with a message from God. Shepherds and angels together in the same scene. We should be amazed. This isn't likely. This is unthinkable, in fact, that this appearing could occur. Now, angels, on the one hand, wonderful, supernatural, otherworldly creatures. Many of us would love to see an angel. We see them depicted all throughout our culture. They are God's messengers. They are sinless. They are pure. They're humble. They're joyful. They are without disease, without death. And they attribute nothing to their own power, but always give the praise and the glory to whom it belongs, the Heavenly Father. Angels are heavenly beings about which Martin Luther said, quote, they rejoice in our salvation almost as if it were their own. When one angel shows up in Luke chapter 2, and they've been showing up, you've noticed, throughout Luke's account of the Christmas story, the glory of God shows up as well. And it reminds us that it's the answer to the prayer in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. And they, they hope that the glory of the Lord would be revealed. And then Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. One angel shows up, the shepherds are struck, they're amazed, but then there are more, more show up, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And it's clear that God has, in fact, entered our world, and he does so in a most remarkable way. Shepherds, on the other hand, are nothing like angels. Angels, high beings, higher than man, from another world, heavenly dwelling, they show up on earth to bring good news. Shepherds, well, in Christ's day, when he came to earth, shepherds were the bottom rung of the Palestinian social order. They were the lowest of the low. They had basically the same status as tax collectors, Roman tax collectors, that is. The same status as, well, the people who went around and picked up animal dung. They were not highly thought about. There is a word that describes them in the Jewish Mishnah, which is the written account of the oral law, which can translated, be translated to the English word incompetent. That's what they were thought of as. 
These are incompetent, lowest of the low people who do jobs we don't want to have to do ourselves. In fact, the rabbis had a very specific technical term that they would use when they spoke of shepherds. And that term was a term that we understand the word. We use it in English. It's the term sinners. Shepherds were sinners. They had very little place in Jewish society. They were not well respected. So much so that it makes you wonder that in the Charlie Brown Christmas pageant, if the role of shepherd, instead of being cast by Linus, maybe should have been cast by Pigpen instead. It would have been more fitting. Now, this view of shepherds was not always the case in Israel. We know that among the Jews and the early patriarchs, they were shepherds. Anybody who was nomadic back in those days had to be a shepherd to survive, had to care for animals out in the wild. But it didn't take long before shepherds were not so valued. When the Jews reached the promised land, settled in Israel, shepherds were no longer thought of so highly. Shepherding became a menial task reserved for the lowest of the laboring class. Now, around 1000 BC, there was a shepherd who sort of elevated the whole role of shepherding. His name was David, a boy who became king, a shepherd boy who was raised up to be king. And so for a while, being a shepherd was not so bad. David had been a shepherd. He became a king. Probably the shepherds thought, there's hope for us after all. There are new open doors that we didn't have before. But it didn't take long before the shepherds were back in their space in Israel. And even the prophets of Israel, when they spoke of shepherds in their prophecies, spoke of shepherds as being the lowest of the low and used shepherd to talk about a pronouncement of evil or doom. Rabbis, even up to today, will look back on Psalm 23 and wonder, how did a shepherd get used to describe the Lord as my shepherd? Why would he do that? It's an amazing thought. Shepherds were thought of so lowly that the rabbis used to say, if you see one that has fallen into a pit, don't help them out. What's the point? They serve no use. You see, this is a most unlikely pairing. Angels come down from heaven to appear to whom? They appear to shepherds, the lowest of the low. And yet we know that the time would come when shepherd and the role of shepherd, the status of that very word would be raised again because the one to be born in Bethlehem would himself call himself the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. But shepherds and angels still, it's an unthinkable pairing. But it leads to, in Luke chapter 2, this unexpected pronouncement. The shepherds hear a voice from the heavens promising them a savior. The angel shows up and says, I bring you good news of great joy. And in those few words, there is assumed the very idea that there are people on earth who need a savior. They needed saving. That there is something wrong with what's going on here that, that God needed to show up and save. And, and maybe it was obvious. The angels don't talk about the need. They only talk about the cure. But I bet the shepherds may have understood. That's how they lived their life in a lowly way. 
We know the religious leaders, they didn't quite get it. They didn't understand their own need. Jesus pointed that out a few times when he interacted with Pharisees. And the religious leaders chose not to understand. But the angel who shows up with this message, good news of great joy for all the people, also gives the shepherds a sign. So they get this this pronouncement, unexpected. But there's a sign to go with it. Now, a sign is a good thing when you get a message that you're unsure of, something you can point to to give some validity to what you've heard. And as the shepherds heard this message from angels that God is showing up and bringing salvation, they're pointed to a sign. They're told to go to Bethlehem and to see in Bethlehem a child born, this child wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now the sign the shepherds received to help them to understand this unexpected pronouncement is a sign that goes against all human discernment and wisdom because a baby doesn't seem like a savior. The shepherds go to Bethlehem. They find Joseph and Mary. They find this baby wrapped in those swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And in human terms, what do they see? They see a baby, a baby who can't even help himself at that point. Could this be a savior? Is this the good news of great joy? But what they really saw, whether they knew it at the time or not, is something that no one on earth had ever seen before. They saw lying in a manger, a human baby without a sin nature. That had never been seen. They saw lying in a manger a human who was also God incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us. Did they understand what they saw? Or did they simply see a baby? Just another teenage Jewish mother with another infant by her side. Maybe that's what they thought at first. And they probably looked at that ordinary baby and wondered, Could this be a savior? Could this be the sinless savior? Could this be the hope of the world? It makes us think. It makes us wonder, what did the shepherd see lying in the manger? Well, the rest of the Bible, it fills in the story. It tells us what the shepherd saw. The shepherd saw the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. The true Isaac whom his father offered up as a sacrifice of atonement, the true Melchizedek, both king and priest, without beginning or end. You see, the shepherds saw Joseph, who was sold for 30 pieces of silver, Samson saving his people by bringing death down on his own head, the son of David, to whom God said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, the bridegroom of the song of songs, pursuing his beloved, the church. They saw the one of whom the angel declared to be Savior, the one on whom the Holy Spirit would descend, the one whom God the Father said, this is my beloved son. They saw the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, the bread of heaven, the light of the world, the living water, the last Adam, 
the Lamb of God who was also the Lion of Judah, who redeems his people not with silver or gold, but with his own precious blood, the one who is made to be our wisdom, our justification, our sanctification, our glorification. He's made to be our redemption. The shepherd saw the child who was born for us, the son given for our cause, the king on whose shoulders the government rests, whose name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Messiah, foreshadowed in all the ceremonies and sacrifices of the Old Covenant, prefigured in all of the law, now presented as the good news, the good news in the good news of the gospel. That's what the shepherds saw when they peered at a baby lying in a manger. Now, it could have been a big problem if all they saw in that manger was just a baby and nothing else. But the shepherds were not put off by this baby's weakness or his poverty. They saw by faith the one to whom the scriptures pointed, a newborn savior, a newborn king. It was an unexpected pronouncement, but it was not unbelieved. And it led, thirdly, to unlikely praise. It's one thing for angels to show up from heaven and start praising God with worship. What else would you expect them to do? They've come from the throne room of God with a message from God. They've got God on their mind. That's all they think about, how to please him. They're going to be praising him all the time. That's no big deal, angels praising God. You'd expect that. That's not unlikely. But what is unlikely that shepherds are now praising God? Shepherds, these unlikely folk who spend their days out in the wild and have no real interaction with what we think of of the religious culture of their day. It says in verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Unlikely praise from men whom the religious folk of the day doubted were worth pulling out of a pit from men whom even the common folk of the day thought that they were certainly above them. These shepherds are more than a few layers below us on the totem pole. From men shut out from the rest of life that their contemporaries enjoyed. These same men God entrusted with the greatest news that has come to earth, with the best ever birth announcement. It came to shepherds, unlikely shepherds, and they were glorifying and praising God because of it. Because not only do they respond with worship, which is a great way to respond when you've been given the greatest news you can get from God himself, but they respond also by telling everybody they can tell about what they've seen and what they've heard. It says this, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And the result was, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. It was an amazing thing. You see, the shepherds were worshipers, but pretty quickly they became witnesses. They bore witness. They told others about what they had seen. They didn't keep it to themselves, just to enjoy it among them. They didn't say to themselves, we can't tell anybody. We're shepherds. Nobody will believe us. The very nature of our job, the nature of our role, our status in society, they think we are incompetent. 
They think we're just sinners. We can't say anything. No, that didn't stop them. They told what they had seen. They spread the good news. These untrustworthy shepherds began to act just like angels, bringing a message from God. Wow, how unlikely is that? You see, it's what happens to all of us when we encounter God. We begin to speak of him, to sing his praises, to share what we have heard. Because God obviously uses the most unlikely people to accomplish his tasks. Shepherds sharing good news about Jesus. On the road to Jerusalem, when Jesus enters the city on donkeys, little children sang his praises. When he was resurrected, it was women who went to the empty tomb and had to go back to try to convince the disciples that Jesus was alive. Unlikely witnesses, unlikely worshipers. When people come to know God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, something happens in us. We are turned into worshipers of the true living God. But another name for worshiper is disciple. We become disciples. We become followers. We become committed to Christ. Worshippers, disciples, and then we become witnesses. Because of the great task of the church given in Matthew 28 by Jesus himself is that we make disciples of all nations, even to the ends of the earth. So worshipers become witnesses to what they've experienced what they've seen and heard. We do so by sharing the message of good news with our families, with our neighbors, with our friends, with the people we meet in the grocery store line, that we work out next to at the gym, that we wait in line for at the school, that we frequent in life with. We become witnesses of this amazing great news. Now, the shepherd's lack of social status didn't keep them quiet. My guess is, if you see a bunch of angels with an incredible message, there's probably nothing that will keep you quiet. But they were ready, even as the old hymn puts it, to go tell it on the mountain. And that's a hymn that has been around for decades. We're not sure who wrote that wonderful hymn, Go Tell It on the Mountain. But it's been attributed to a man named John Wesley Work. Although history suggests that it was actually his brother who wrote the lyrics. But the tune that we sing, we know where that came from. It came from an old African-American spiritual tune dating back at least to 1865. A catchy tune, but more catchy words that speak of shepherds who receive a message and worshipers who become witnesses. So as we get ready to sing that very same song, a song that most often is sung on Christmas Day, after the congregation has been retold the whole Christmas story, then they're encouraged to do something with it. Well, we will be encouraged to do something with it. So as Tommy and the band prepare to lead us, let's remember that Christmas is God's expedition toward us and God's invitation to us. And let's marvel at the unthinkable pairing we find in the second chapter of Luke, angels and shepherds together. And let's be in awe of the unexpected pronouncement of good news. 
God's lavish grace and love poured down on us. And let's join the shepherds in their unlikely praise of the child who was born for us, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord.